The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Mother, do you think they'll drop the bomb? Mother, do you think they'll like this song? Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. Got Mark Donnelly and Happy Mother's Day, Carrie. Yeah. This song always works for Mother's Day, doesn't it? I don't think so. <laughs> I was thinking when it started, I was like. I mean, when they came out this, what, in 1979? Mm. And it's, it's as relevant today as it was 42 yeah. years ago. I gotta get some stuff. A lot of data, economic data this week here. <coughs> We're gonna try to get through it. I'm also okay. Gonna... You can okay. also talk about. Here's the line though we're waiting okay. for. Okay. Next line. Here's what I've been waiting for. Everybody sing along. Mother, should I trust the government? No. That's where, that's where we're going to get started. Chairman Powell. Should we trust the government? This press conference. Here. Hi, Chair Powell. Rachel Siegel here from the Washington Post. To follow up from your message from the very beginning, what is your message to the American people about when they will start to feel the effects of, say, the 50 basis point rate hikes or multiple hikes? How do you explain to them what that does to their grocery bill or their rent or their gas bill? Thank you. So, uh, for the first thing to say is that we understand, and some of us are old enough to have lived through high inflation, and many aren't, but it's... That's true, Carrie. I've been talking right. about my clients, and, and a lot of them, they didn't have to deal with the inflation 40 years ago. They're too young. Right. A lot of them remember it, but they really weren't paying the bills, so right. to speak. That's, yeah. That's now. So this is the first time a, right. lot of, <clears throat> a lot of the baby boomers have to deal with they're paying the bills and they right. have the inflation. Very unpleasant. It, it's, um, it's just something people don't, when they experience it for the first time, you're, you're paying more for the same thing. If you're a normal economic person, then, then you're, you're, probably don't have that much extra, you know, to spend and it's immediately hitting your spending on groceries, on, you know, on gasoline, on energy and things like that. So we understand the pain involved. So how do you, how do you get out of that? And the, the, the only, we, it's our job to make sure that, that inflation of that unpleasant high nature doesn't get entrenched in the economy. That's what we're here for. One of the main things we're here for, perhaps the most fundamental thing we're here for. And the way we do that is we try to get supply and demand back in in sync with each other, out of back in balance, so that the economy is under less stress and and inflation will go down. Now the process of getting there involves higher rates, so higher mortgage rates, higher borrowing rates, and things like that. So it it, it um, it's not going to be pleasant either. But in the end, <laughs> everyone is better off. Everyone, particularly people on fixed incomes. And at the lower part of the income distribution are better off in, with stable prices. Right. So, so that's a, that's the odd thing we've been talking about on this show is we keep asking all our clients: Is inflation making you change your spending habits? And we've just seen it now affecting. You know, we've been right. asking that question for a long time now. And in the beginning, mm-hmm. it, it, no one said it. They were changing anything. They were, yeah, right. I, I don't like kinda, it. Right, they're going to wait and see how it pans out. Yeah, but that has changed a little bit now right. that this inflation, this transitory inflation, is a bit more entrenched than what they first told us. And so we we need to do everything we can to restore stable prices. We'll do it as quickly and effectively as we can. We uh, we think we have a, a a good chance to do it without without a. Uh, 
without a significant increase in unemployment or, or you know, a really sharp slowdown. But ultimately, See we think about land. the medium and longer term, and everyone will be better off if we can get this job done. The sooner, the better. Take your medicine, Karen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Chip. Uh, Edward, Edward Lawrence with the Fox Business Network. Um, so you talked in the past about uh, consumer go spending uh, and how that's thing. driving drives the economy. Um, are you concerned with this high level of inflation? Consumer will stop spending, pushing us into, and, and what's the level of your concern, pushing us into a recession? Okay, there's the big R word, right? right. In other words, this are you is worried a, about? Yeah. Okay. So, are you going to slam the brakes on the inflation so quickly that we land in a U.S. recession? Oh, hold on. Well, that's kind of appropriate if you're talking about the government. I was like, not the Muppets. <laughs> The economy is um, is doing doing fairly well. Um, it's uh, we didn't say that with a lot of conviction, to be, but to be solid this year, and we see you know household spending and and uh, business investment as fairly strong, in the, even in the first quarter, which was relatively slow on some other fronts. So, and the labor market. If you look at the labor market for okay. people who are out of work and looking, there are lots of job okay, opportunities. He, he's making his case. For, uh, wages are moving up at, and at rates that haven't been seen in quite a long time. So it's it's a it's a very it's a good time to be a worker looking to looking to you know either change jobs or get a wage increase in your current job. So it's a strong economy, mm-hmm. and, and nothing about it suggests that it's that it's close to or vulnerable to a recession. Now, of course, given events around the world and fading fiscal policy effects and, and higher rates, you, you, sh- you could see some slower economic activity. Certainly it will not be. Last year was an extraordinarily... All right. So, so what did he say? There could be a recession. There won't be a recession. He's always vague. I think he chooses his words carefully. No surprise. Well, so a couple of things. No surprise that they raised the 50 basis points. Somewhat, he did kind of took the 75 basis points off the table. Right. Um, <clears throat> then he also, though, said he kind of laid out that the net, there'll be two more consecutive 50 basis point increases. So the question is, are they done after that? And he also announced that they'd begin tapering in June 1st. And I don't know. Do you know, it, it, but it, the one <clears throat> thing that other that me and a lot of other people were waiting to hear is, were they going to raise their target inflation at, you know, what they keep saying they're going to get back to 2%. And he's still holding to that. He, he's still saying, he, you know, a lot of people were questioning whether the Federal Reserve would come out and say, okay, 2% is really no longer in, in the crystal ball, maybe three, maybe two and right. a half. No, <clears throat> they're still sticking at two. Hmm. Do you believe them? Mm. I tell you, not too many of our clients believe them. Um, we have been talking to our clients and saying, yeah, do you want, do you think there's enough data? Do you think you've seen enough of this transitory, uh, non-transitory inflation that you have to go in now and amend or adjust your economic model if you didn't have a, a higher handle mm-hmm. on inflation built in? Now, again, most of our clients are not saying they think this 6 7% handle of inflation will go on forever but maybe they want to model in for a few years and then going back to a normal or tapering to a normal right get back to i think that's realistic <clears throat> i think that's conservative and those are the two parameters that we always remind our clients that when you're making assumptions for things that are completely beyond your control you you keep your assumptions conservative and realistic now <clears throat> the bigger dilemma is whether you model in an economic downturn Mm-hmm. A recession, or what we've been calling the recession, right? Blame it on <clears throat> you know Putin, but that mm-hmm. is a bigger one. But again, I I tend to say, uh, it, is it realistic that we could have a recession in the next eighteen twenty four months? Absolutely, uh, absolutely, it's, po- it's a real possibility. So is, it, is it more conservative <clears throat> to assume it's going to happen, or is it more conservative to assume it won't happen? I think it's more conservative to assume it will, especially if you have a pending retirement date. You want to know about your spending because if you build in higher inflation rates, a, a recession with slow growth recovery, then you know, okay, basically a worst case scenario, 
I know, do I need to adjust? Some people will and some people won't. Right. But at least you have a model of a bad scenario. Right. Um so you know what action steps to take. And I think especially people who are thinking about retiring that maybe are thinking about postponing it, right. maybe they don't have to. Right. Or, or maybe you do, but then you know at least how long do I have to work? How long? Is what, Mark, do I have to work a year longer <clears throat> full time? Am I, you know, can I get out of the rat race and, and maybe go look for a hobby career, an encore career where I'm working 20 hours a week for maybe two to three years? Will that get me over this economic, you know, threat risk? And that's how we help clients make decisions. I mean, you could sit home on your couch mm-hmm. and complain about inflation mm-hmm. and and just, you know, cut, cut out your riverboat cruise. And just say, I guess we can't do that. But if you're doing it based on because you're worried and not real, not objective information, maybe you're you're not spending on things that it's really not going to make a difference. Or maybe you're saying, I don't need to worry. We have people that say, I'm not going to worry about it, that maybe they should. But how do you know? And that's where financial modeling helps you actually know and give you clarity on should you worry should you not and if you are going to be impacted what are actionable steps you should be taking to be proactive when it comes to your financial life because certainly things are out of your control quite a few nowadays so again fed chairs Powell's recommendation or i don't know if it's a recommendation but comment yes there may be some pain associated with getting back to normal levels of inflation in an economy where supply and demand are balanced Okay, but you know, the big plan is the big pain is in not dealing over time, not dealing with the issue and allowing it to become entrenched. So, again, he's clearly saying that uh, inflation is the bigger risk to your financial longevity than it is the idea that we go into a soft, maybe a bumpy landing where Mm -hmm. we could have a recession, not necessarily as deep as ones we've had in the past, more of a softer landing, but softish is the term mm-hmm. he uses, right? Um, and he's still saying there's a good chance that they they can accomplish that. Um, it's not easy being a central banker. Uh, you know, the Bank of England had terrible news this week. You know what they're projecting, Carrie? No. <laughs> okay, so they're projecting their inflation by the fourth quarter will be ten point two percent. Oh, ouch! And they're they're saying their GDP next year is going to be a whopping zero point two five. They're basically saying they're going into recession. So, so, and then we'll see what the European Union says too. We will, we'll, we'll get our CPI new data next week, right? And we're all waiting with bated breath to see. You know, I would say it's about a fifty-fifty split now between the world or the U.S. economists is saying that do they think inflation has peaked out now, um, or has it not peaked out? Well, we'll get some more data next week. Stay tuned. Fasten your seatbelt, Carrie. I mentioned that last week. And what did the did you look at the market this week? Crazy. Not That's good. That's what I meant by fastening your seatbelt. Right. And we'll talk <clears throat> a little bit about that today. So in all this great economic news and all this very low economic risk that's out there, what can you do? Well, maybe we can make some lemonade out of some lemons. And that's the idea that I started talking about this last week. You can always go back and <clears throat> catch our podcast show. But the idea is, well, you know, maybe this is the time you want to think about doing a Roth conversion, meaning you may have been thinking about doing a Roth conversion this year, okay? Um, but maybe you were waiting to do it at the end of the year. Maybe this year, maybe at this, you know, if you've seen mm-hmm. the recent downturn in the market, and we'll talk a little bit about the numbers, maybe you want to do it before the end of the year. And we'll talk about that. Oh, get us started. All right. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational talk program talking about issues that can impact your financial life and concepts and strategies. 
and making you aware of issues and choices you may have. We're sponsored by the estate planning team, and the estate planning team is an affordable, fee-based fiduciary planning firm that's been helping people around Cleveland more than 35 years through unbiased objective advice um, and giving people uh, and building rather financial models and helping people with objective analysis with financial decisions they're faced so they know how short-term decisions affect the long um, impact of their plan or things that they're worried about addressing those worries and finding out what planning strategies are available and helping people take steps while they're working and then in retirement to create the income they need as tax efficiently as possible and create the passage they want to their heirs as well. And again, we've been around more than 35 years and we offer a free, no obligation, no consult, no pressure consultation, either by phone or in person if you're someone who wants to determine if our services are appropriate. Uh, we're not investment advisors. We have clients that do investments on their own or already work with existing investment advisors, and we believe in coordination of advisors. And what we do is very different. Um, <clears throat> Um, we help with all different things. That's why we have both hourly and comprehensive retainer fees for people who need a little bit of help or maybe a lot of help, whether it's timing, so, timing of Social Security, pension elections, and helping people also. Um, <clears throat> I met with someone this week that I don't talk about enough that we help people like if, so, if a spouse has passed away and helping people with the logistics of especially the non-financial spouse, um, providing that caring support as far as, hey, I need to go to the bank. These are the steps you need to do and as a resource as well. Um, but if you'd like to take advantage of a free no obligation consultation or learn more, you can um, go to our website, financialfoodforthought.com. You can also check out our ratings at Google, Better Business Bureau, Angie's List, and that's financialfoodforthought.com. Or give us a call and we will call you back on Monday. Our number is 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. And you're listening this morning to Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell. All right. Thanks, Carrie. So mm -hmm. before... We talk a little bit about the market volatility. There was big data this week on the job or the labor market, and and you heard Fed Powell mention the labor market. He's he's mentioning it all the time, and there's something going on, Carrie, and it's a bit confusing to me. Um, what is the labor market telling us? And it has to deal with. The great resignation, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then we thought we were going to have the great rehire. You know, you hear President Biden, you know, say, oh, we've created more jobs than any, you know, presidential administration ever, right? And, well, really, did you create them or did people just go back to work? Right? I think people uh, went back to work. Um, whatever, you know, but so we had the triple play payroll, you know, the, the, being the first week of the new month. And, and the JOLTS report which came out on Tuesday, the take, the big takeaway there was that, uh, okay, it, it, you know, that it's just so imbalanced. They're saying that for every job, you know, for every, for every person who's looking for a job, there's two jobs available. Mm -hmm. I believe it. That is an imbalance that's off the charts. Mm -hmm. And, why aren't you know? So why is then does anybody not have a job? It wants one. I don't. I think some people don't want to work or don't want jobs or don't want that kind of job. Maybe. Um. So and what? There's eleven point five million job openings. Mm -hmm. It came in higher than what the consensus was thinking about eleven million. There's half a million more. Um. So that that so then then we had the Wednesday ADP report. And that was a little surprise on the downside, a little mm -hmm. less. You know, they, they said two hundred forty-seven thousand, um, and and the, and they and that report said that small business lost one hundred twenty thousand jobs. Hmm. Okay. Um, then we had the we had the weekly jobless claims on Thursday. All right. So the consensus was one hundred eighty-two thousand. Now this is the opposite. These are people that are looking, you know, or saying they're filing for unemployment claims, right? They've lost their job or they can't get a job, right? right? It came in at 200000 
And that's going the wrong direction all of a sudden. Remember, mm-hmm. it was th- that two hundred thousand. It, it seems to be like a, 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 a unwritten threshold or you know benchmark, right? Right. And it, at two hundred thousand, that's a level that's kind of viewed as showing it's a strong demand for workers. So, so it was. It had been below the two hundred thousand for a few, you know, weeks, and all of a sudden it's back to two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, so the. Uh, and even when they're saying that compensation for American work workers um, is one of the largest increase in, in three decades. So but they're also, you know, so so what so then so then on Friday, we're taping this show on Friday. So this morning we got the April jobs report. OK, so the consensus was about three hundred eighty thousand. It came in at 428000 That's a big difference. Okay, to the positive side, right? And we're really looking at a three-month rolling average of probably 500000 Okay. Um, That's good news. Yeah. And so, so, and then and everyone was looking at, the, well, okay, what is the unemployment? Because, you know, the Federal Reserve always talks about full employment. So what is the unemployment? Well, it, last month it was 3.6%. Economists thought it may dip down a little up to maybe 3.5. No, it came in at the same as the previous month, 3.6. Um, and, you know, but a small increase in average hourly earnings. So we're getting, so if the, you know, so we there's this issue about, all right, to get a strong economy, Kerry, to stay away from those bad things like stagflation or mm-hmm. stagnation, you, you got you to gotta keep that. We got to get America back to work. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. because that's what Paul is kind of saying, if we don't get America back to work, that's not good. No. And the question is, why are so many adult Americans not going back to work? So that mm-hmm. that's something that um, we're all you know questioning and and wondering. And is it just pay? Is it just, or is it we're not skilled to go back to work? Um, no, I think some people don't want to work. I'm not saying that's a big, but I think that's a percentage or people don't want to do certain jobs. Well, if they don't want to work here, then that's what, that would then say because they're not being paid enough to do the job. Right. Or some people just prefer, I guess, not to. <laughs> I mean, I, well, I don't know. I think we've gotten as far as in general. I'm going to go on a limb that some people are very lazy. <clears throat> or are they worried about the Rona still? And, Maybe. And they're worried about getting sick. I mean, it, it could be. So, um, all right. I guess it's good news for people who are looking for work. Yeah. I mean, you have your pick. A job. Yeah. But is it, is it the jobs that, you know, and a lot of people are saying, well, that's why wages have to continue to go up mm-hmm. to attract these people off the couch. And so they have a living wage, you know, right. the, the idea that. You know, again, I don't think there's too many uh, aeronautical engineers sitting on home right, on the couch, no. right? But if you, if you're in that low, as Powell mentioned, that low skill, right. that low economic, uh, you know, uh, quadrant. Yeah, I mean, fifteen maybe fifteen dollars an hour isn't enough incentive, no. you know, if you're not getting forty hours a week at that, you know, and that's how they play those games, right? Because right? you need benefits too. Yeah, and they give. Oh no, you we'll give you twenty hours a week, right? Um, Which I agree, that's not fair either. Um, right. So, so can the government do that then? Can the government help somehow to say that they would help chip in? For the business, small businesses right. to help with the health care. If the small businesses can't afford to do both, right. pay the health care and $15. I would uh, think that would be make more sense. I, I haven't heard President Biden talk about that. Have you? Mm, no. Um, all right. The uh, What do we want to do next, Carrie? Um, market volatility. Yeah. All right. So... It's getting ugly, right? And it's interesting because you saw, we saw, the market when when Chair Powell started speaking on Wednesday, you know, at 2 o'clock or whatever, all of a sudden you saw the market shoot straight up. Okay. It was, it was huge gains. Mm-hmm. And I was like saying... Why? Why? He's pulling the punch bowl away. Right. Why are there, why are now more people wanting to get into the party? 
And I was very surprised that it went up to those at those percentages. And then I was kind of like, oh, I guess the party goers realize that because the next morning the market's completely tanked. So you've got, you know, huge upswings on Wednesday, huge downswings on Thursday. Mm -hmm. That is a sign that the market has no clue on where everything's going. No. And uncertainty is always a killer to the stock market. All right. Um, Now, how bad is it? Well, one of the ways that I keep track of market volatility, I mean, we can look at the VIX. The VIX was what I think. Last time I thought check was like at 33. I mean, that's well, you know, but, but how, you know, how much I, I like to keep track, and I'm just doing the SP 500 here. I like to keep track of how many days during the year, all right, did the SP 500 go up or down more than two percentage points in, in one day? Okay. Okay. Um, and then further, we call a parabolic move when you double that. And how many times did it go up or down 4%? That's when people start, you know, jumping off bridges, right? Right. Uh, when it's on the downside of 4%, you know, not uh, people are happy when it's on the 4% oh, yeah. upside. But typically, that's not what is happening in, in uncertain times in the markets. It's not straight up. <laughs> no. it's, it's it's not sawtooth. It's roller coaster. Um, all right. So through... And and again, I don't know what the market's doing. What we'll do today, Carrie? Don't yeah. I don't know if you can check the S and P right now, but through yesterday, five five. All right. So there were fourteen trading days so far in the year where the S and P five hundred went up or down more than two percent. Okay. Okay. And it was pretty split, pretty evenly between you know of those fourteen, how many were up and how many were down. All right. Um, and there haven't been any parabolic moves yet. Well, that's good news. Okay. There, there's been over 3%, but not 4 Okay. And when I do this, I do it literally. Okay. So if, if I'm counting 2%, if, if the market closed up or down 1.999%, I don't count it. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Now, I don't round up or down. You know, I just, you know, carry it to the two digits. Um, all right. So how does that compare? Well, in 2020... Okay, which was the Rona recession. Remember that happened relatively early in the year in that March time frame. We had 44 days where the market moved up or down 2%. And 17 of those were parabolic. Okay. All right. So, and by the way, by this point, May in 2020, whereas I'm saying right now, this year in 2022, there's 14 days. In that 2020, by May 5th, there were 32 oh. days. Okay, that's why that was happening so early. But no one really cares about the Rona recession because by the end of the year, the S and P 500 still, you know, came in with a 16 percent return, double digit return for the mm-hmm. year. So it was like, oh, well, I'm glad I didn't sell out of that one. Um, and if you did sell out and you panic, I, I don't know if you're happy about it. All right. But let's go back to the real, the last great recession, 2008. Okay. Mm -hmm. That, Carrie, was volatile. Okay. So in that year, 2008, we had 74 trading days where the S&P 500 moved up or down 2%. And 29 of which were parabolic. Okay. Now, in that year, how many... 2% 2% moves do we have by May 5th, like this year. So what did I okay. say this year? We've had 14, right? In 2008, by May 5th, there was 13. Ooh. Are we headed for a 2008? It's different this time, It's right? different this time, right? Um, in 2009, you know, that was that the second year of that Great Recession. We had 59 trading days. Where the market, you know, moved to a percent, eleven of which were parabolic, four percent. And by May fifth of that year, we had thirty-six. So because again, remember that was the recession 
you know, went into that 2009. So it's, are we, so, so I think people tend to forget volatility, you know, Mm -hmm. because we've had years where we've had zero. I think the last year of that was 2017. There were zero trading days where the S&P 500 moved up or down Mm -hmm. 2%. Um, You know, many, many, many years it's under 10. Uh, which you don't even feel, so you don't even notice. But you know it, it is. So we it, we've had it, and this is typically what we mean. You see the markets go up more than two percent. They come back down by two percent. They go back up by two percent. That's the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to get. And I don't know if that's going to change much for the rest of the year. All right, but regardless, know how you'll be impacted. Um, do what you can. Even though we don't do investments, we do look at our clients' assets in terms of risk, growth, and tax efficiency? And are you taking on more risk than needed to be okay and take advantage of opportunities even more so um, in this changing environment? And know your numbers and know how you will be in uh, impact and how to adjust. Um, call the estate planning team for a free consultation by phone or in person and to see if you can benefit from our services. Our number is 440 239 2090. That's 440-239-2090. You can also contact us through the website at financialfoodforthought.com. Listen to our podcast from the website and sign up for the newsletter. And also, again, contact us for that free consultation. All right. And listen to Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, we've certainly have seen a lot of roller coaster activity in the stock market. And are curious, is this just a is this just the sell in May and go away people? Maybe I don't know. You know, you know, if you're not familiar with that, most people, most listeners probably are familiar with that. That's a stock market trading theory. Mm-hmm. Is that um, you sell in May and go away and. What they mean by that is that if you look at the calendar year, you time it. In other words, the days that you're in the market is, you know, January through April. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then the months that you are out of the market is May through October. So you're four months in, six months out, and then you get back in in November for the remaining two months. Okay. So at for the year you're six months in and six months out, but you time it this way, and a lot and there's a believe me there's a lot of people that follow that. Now we don't manage assets for our clients. Right. I'm not here. I'm not recommending. Uh, it, it's just you know. So it'll be maybe there's some of that going on right now. Right. Um. You know. And 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 why May to October. I don't know. I mean, it's the summer doldrums. It's it's I, you know why get back in November? Maybe they're trying to capture the the you know Santa Claus rally that happens so often. Um, it, you know whatever. But uh, so maybe I'll spend more time on that. <laughs> you know, maybe I'll look at some numbers. We've done we've looked at those numbers right. in the past. And again, I, you know, the experts are all going to tell you you can't time the market. Right. And and you really kind of go from that. Um, so, so what do you do? Because a lot of times if you're using a professional investment advisor, that's probably, if you ask them, that's probably what they're telling you right now, right? Mm -hmm. Stay the course. Right. Because you don't want to sell low. Um, yeah. You know, if you don't panic sell, it's only a paper loss, right? Um, and you know, if you, as long as you hold on to the stocks, you, you still get the dividends. Okay. Um, and have you forgotten you, we're coming off three consecutive double digit returns in the S&P 500? All right. That's not, that doesn't last forever. Okay. Um, so, you know, and you know, you weren't calling me when, when we're up double digits three years in a row. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you're not up cause you're not hundred percent right. stocks, but you get my point. You know, people and the and this happens all the time. Market corrections, they happen all the time. You know, it's it's not it's not days. um, It's the you know, it's not timing to get out. It's the days you're in the market. Right. That that's what matters, because you're you're never going to you're going to you know, you may get lucky once and get out at the right day. But are you going to be as lucky enough to get back in? 
and 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 or are you I don't know if there's too many professional investment advisors that recommend the go away in May, uh, you know, sell in May and mm-hmm. go away. I don't know, you know, to, um, and then it's back to the Tina. You know, there is no what's your alternative? There is no alternative. Bonds are negative this year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, cash isn't paying much, right? Uh, uh, and, and, you know, the stock guys never talk about fixed annuities, Carrie. God forbid, right? right? You know, they, 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 they don't deal with that. So, um, so, so, so then, so, well, okay. So let's say you're following that. You say, all right, I'm not going to, you know, panic sell. And, and so you're thinking, but maybe I can make some lemonade out of this lemon market. Um, meaning that whereas typically the professional recommendations is you don't sell low, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you do your Roth conversions low. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because if you think about it, so let's say you were planning on doing a Roth conversion this year and you had targeted, and let's say you were targeting your growth assets, maybe it's your you know, tech stock darlings or whatever, they have taken a huge hit, right? Um, it, you know, the, the the NASDAQ's down over 20%, right? Um, bear market, basically, in the NASDAQ. So you're saying, I, but I still believe in those guys. You know, we mm-hmm. talked about the FANG stocks right. a couple of weeks ago, right? Um, uh, or I like my Amazon, I like my Apple, you know. And, and you believe that they're going to be strong again? Yeah, and you're not going to sell low, all right. Um, typically, you're not going to get out of them and go to cash or whatever. And so, so, but the idea is, all right. Well, if if you've if you've let's say so, let's say you were those were also the type of assets, the ones with the most growth growth potential, perhaps those were the typical assets that you were wanted to move into your Roth IRA. You know, the Peter right. Thiel, you know, the the Roth IRA king mm-hmm. who, who, who's got five billion dollars, probably double that now. In a uh, row. Well, maybe now half again. <laughs> but, right. Where but, he moved it when it wasn't worth much. Yeah. But he, then, just, he just kept buying tech stocks and, and he got up to five billion. Right? And guess what? Um, All that growth was tax free. Um, now. So. So you're saying. Yeah. But so if so, because now as you, when you do a Roth conversion. Right. The taxes that are due on that conversion are going to be based on the fair market value when you're moving those shares. So in this example, you're moving the stock in kind, right? You're saying, I own, you know, in my example, I own Apple in my IRA. I'm just going to move Apple shares to my Roth IRA. Um, and but because they're down twenty percent, I don't know if Apple's down. I mean, you know, I'm just right. talking here because I, I, I get kind of a tax discount. Because now, for the same for the for the same number of shares that I'm moving over, it, the fair market value has dropped. So that's the tax bill I you know that I pay based on what the share value is the day I convert them over to Roth. And now I'm just going to sit, and now I'm just going to let them come back, let them re- recover over time. But now the recovery will be taking place in my Roth IRA which will be never be taxed again. So instead of holding the apple and let it coming back in your IRA, and then you're going to use it later on in your retirement, all that regrowth inside the IRA is just tax-deferred growth. Mm-hmm. Possibly you may be deferring to a higher income tax later on. All right. So as opposed to that, what you're doing is you're moving those while the tax you're getting a tax discount. You're moving them over to Roth IRA. Now all that regrowth will come back tax free. All right. So we've had a lot of clients. Uh, we had a lot of clients do that in in 2008, 2009, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Right. We had some we had them doing it in 2020. Mm-hmm. When when you had a thirty five percent peak to drop uh, in the S and P five hundred with the Rona recession, um, and we've had some clients who acted already this year. Right, they were had ever all the pieces and parts in place so that if the market was down, they could make. And we coordinated with the advisor so they could make a quick move. Right, and now, so and and that's the, by having the the you know your ducks in a line. That's what we mean. In other words we've already identified the target amount of the conversion we think that can fit into our tax return, right? Now, this is an interesting dilemma, not dilemma, opportunity, right? Or because, all right, so we might have been assuming 
what it was going to cost tax-wise before the 20% drop, Carrie, right? Mm -hmm. So now we're saying, hmm, I've got, so there's a couple of ways you can do it. Because now if, let's say, we that was equivalent to a $40,000 Roth conversion, right? Mm -hmm. So we're saying, okay, your tax return, you, you know, can, can, can handle or there's room for a $40,000 Roth conversion, all right? Remind me to talk about the tax limbo game, Carrie, okay. what we mean by room for 40000 All right, now you're saying that, okay, well, it's not going to cost me 40000 now because there's a 20% drop. Mm -hmm. So how many more shares? You may want to keep it at the $40,000 right. target. Just said, how many more shares can you move? Right. All right. Now, sometimes you're not working on that pathway. You're just saying, I just, you know, sometimes, Carrie, for example, it may be, of a client who may just have a, a, a small IRA out there. Let's say right. they, they have one floating IRA out there they've had a long time. It's got $40,000 in it, and mm -hmm. they just want to close it out. Right. And so they say, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not trying to hit a threshold, Mark. I just want to close. I'm just going to move this. As long as you're telling me the 40000 as long as my CPAs tell me the 40000 is going to shoot me in the foot tax-wise, right. I'm just going to Close out that IRA, move it over to my Roth IRA. And not only do I get the benefit, it simplifies my life a little bit. Right. And I don't have to worry. And, and, and now I don't have, you know, I don't have required minimum distributions in my own Roth IRA. I don't have to worry about IRD, you know, the, the higher IRD going to my kids. I, if I never spend it, it goes to my kids tax free, mm -hmm. you know, all those things that so we've, we've talked about on this show for the last couple of weeks. You know, I go back and listen to the podcast. Okay. Well, in that case, you're just going to get a tax break. Right. Okay. Because you move it now and, and, and you're going to get that tax discount. Um, so, so those are things, but again, we, we always try to, too, you know, you've got to understand there's a lot of rules about Roth IRAs, Gary, mm -hmm. right? And, and we spend a lot of time working with our clients and their CPAs and, and making sure that they understand the rules and so let's go over some of the rules. Well, Carrie, I guess, well, I want to do the threat. What did I say? The, the threshold and right. the tax limbo game. And, and when you're talking about right now, you're talking about conversions because I had a couple this week that said, I can't do when, I, when I'm, I'm retired, I can't do Roth. Well, no, you can't do Roth contributions, but you can certainly do Roth conversions. And it's a huge opportunity for you because you're also not yet at minimum required distribution. Right. All right, so what do we mean by the um, playing the tax limbo game? So these are there's lots of arbitrary thresholds in our very complicated tax code, mm -hmm. and the ones that typically our clients are looking at, you know, when we say, "Well, there's a this," what's the threshold that you don't want to go through? Because if you go through that threshold bad things start happening to you tax-wise. Mm -hmm. Now, this goes beyond the tax brackets, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the typical 10%, 12%, 22%, 24%, 32%. You know, that's one level. And certainly that is, is something that we look at and help our clients look at. But I'm also talking about things beyond that, right? Um, so for one, for example, that is that we have, it could be that, that we have a lot of clients and, 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 that's the, where they, they don't want their Roth conversion, assuming that they're on Medicare, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, Carrie, before I do that, I want to make one more other, <laughs> before I go okay. on, um, disclaimer. What we're talking about right today, we're, ta we're talking about, if I guess start talking about Roth distributions, mm -hmm. okay, there's a big disclaimer. I'm talking about if you're over 59 and a half, okay? If you are are planning on taking Roth IRA distributions before age 59 and a half, we recommend you work with professionals to make sure you understand the rules. And that's not what this radio show today is going to talk about. So if, if, if you, I'll just throw that disclaimer out there. Sometimes I forget to say that here, you know, because I'm assuming that we're talking about people over 59 and a half. Mm -hmm. Okay. Especially when we're talking about taking IRA distributions or Roth IRA distributions. Okay. Right. Um, now, um, so back to the, uh, the 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 conversion. So, if we're if we get to the um, so if we get to the point where um, it may be where you get the zero percent long term capital gain 
and qualified dividend rate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for 2022, for a single person, that's um, that's forty one thousand uh, six seven six hundred seventy five dollars. For a married couple jointly, that's eighty three thousand three fifty. Okay, and that's taxable income. That's after deductions, right? So that's one that a lot of our clients lose. Right. They say, Mark, I want to take my Roth conversion up to the point where I'm not losing my 0% long-term capital gain and qualified dividend rate. Okay. All right. Um, another one could be where your Medicare IRMA adjustments kick in if you're right. on Medicare. So again, for a single person, that's 91000 But this isn't taxable income. This is modified adjusted gross income. So right. not only do you have to be aware of the threshold, 91000 What's it, included it, in that yeah, threshold. Is it taxable income? Is it adjusted gross income? Is it modified adjusted gross income? So the IRMA threshold for higher Medicare premiums, Medicare B premiums and Medicare D premiums, if you're on that, is um, modified adjusted gross income, meaning you have to take your adjusted gross income and add back into that any tax-exempt interest you report it. The other thing to remember, too, is that for the IRMA adjustment, there's a two-year gap. So, for example, your 2022 tax return will determine what your 2024 Medicare premiums are. Mm-hmm. And, your, and, if, and your 2022 Medicare premium was based on your 2020 right. tax return, right? So that, that uh, messes up some people. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that rule. All right. So that, that's another one. So 91,000 single, 182,000 married filing jointly. Another one could be where the you know the additional three point eight percent tax on net investment income that's the Obamacare that you know the the Affordable Health Care Plan you know that that threshold. So for a single person that's two hundred thousand modified adjusted gross income, and for a married couple it's two hundred fifty thousand. So there's some you know so those are some of the things that we say. So yeah, so the idea is you're saying okay I'm going to target a Roth conversion that keeps me under those thresholds. Right. Mm-hmm. All right now. A couple other things, a couple other rules. Um, one, right, if, if you've got after-tax basis in your IRA, mm-hmm. meaning as somewhere along the lines you were putting money into your IRA but weren't getting a tax deduction, mm-hmm. okay, and, and you want to convert now to Roth IRA, you know, there, there's people that, you know, or a lot of people think, oh, this is what I do. I just want to convert over my after-tax basis to Roth. Right. <laughs> so if, you know, if I have a, so if, if I've got, if I've got 40, if I've got, a, if, if I was thinking of doing a $20,000 Roth conversion and I have 20,000, I have a million dollars in my IRA, but 20,000 of it is uh, pre-tax or, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, or after tax. I mean, after right. tax, the, you know, you, you got a hundred thousand, 20,000 is after tax, um, 80,000 is pre-tax. I don't want to convert my pre-tax and get taxed on it. I want to convert my after tax. Right. So there'd be no taxes, right? On my Roth conversion. No, that's a, no, no, you have to prorate that, right? So you have to, because that you, would be great, right? You do the that, government doesn't like that, right? And so you do that on form eighty six oh six. Now, also, if 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 you're talking about um, the rules, it, it, see, part of that twenty seventeen Trump's tax act, it took away a big wild card or a big you know ace in the hole that was called the Roth recharacterization, right? Mm-hmm. So so prior to that, uh, prior to twenty seventeen. You, you could you could do the Roth conversion earlier in the year, and by the end you realize you did too much because you you did not stay under that threshold because of capital gains interest something something came out higher than yeah you, you had the recharacterization you had up until the following year's extension due date in other words up until the following October fifteenth you could recharacterize all or part of the Roth conversion you did so if you went over the threshold instead of getting penalized you just recharacterized that amount. You went over, and it was a safety. Right. So those are things. Um, yeah. So those are things you got to watch. You can't do that anymore. So so that's why normally we may say you don't want to do Roth conversions too early in the year because there could be surprises. The other one too is is the idea that if you have a lot of people are confused, Carrie. You had mentioned one earlier, but a lot of people who are already at RMD age say, "Well, Mark, I didn't think I could do Roth conversions once I'm at RMD age." Well, you can't convert your required minimum distribution to a Roth, right. but any um, amounts above the minimum required could be converted. Right. And that's, again, though, but the rule, a lot of people understand that, but a lot of people don't understand further the rule that you you have to get your RMD satisfied first in that calendar year. 
You can't do the Roth conversion now and say, okay, I'm going to do my RMD at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. You have to get your RMD done first. That has to be satisfied. And that causes people issues because they, oh, they heard something. Well, I'm just going to do the Roth because the market's down. And then uh, then they did their minimum required distribution later. So there's issues. And we help people with all these sorts of things so that they're getting the most net benefit, minimizing their cumulative taxes, coordinating with advisors, and knowing exactly what they should be doing when it comes to their financial life through unbiased objective advice and analysis. And we offer that free, no obligation, no pressure consultation, which we can do by phone or in person to see if you can benefit. And if we can't help you, we'll let you know. If we can help you a little, we'll give you the hourly options. Or if you need it and want to go through the process, we have comprehensive retainers. All of them are affordable, but take advantage of the free consultation at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right, we're a few minutes Kentucky Derby. Oh, is that going on this weekend? Yeah. I think it's going to be what? It's it's going to be raining on President Trump's Kentucky Derby rally. Oh, that's right. I don't know if he's still doing it or not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Millennia and Ivanka better be wearing those bonnets, Gary. I think it's it's going to be a wet Kentucky Derby. Oh, I think it'd be fun for people, though. Yeah, they're saying it's... I'm not that person, but I think it'd be fun, I mean, for people. No Rona restrictions this year, Gary. Um, Good. You know, full capacity... I don't think, uh, you know, I'm I don't, sure it's going to be a big party. I don't think the horses have to wear masks. <laughs> the, the, um, I think there's going to be some big drinking going on. I was kind of disappointed you didn't bring in the mint juleps yeah. this morning, Kerry. Um, the one person who will not be in attendance, of course, is Bob Baffert. Remember the white-haired guy? Do you remember? He's a great horseman. Okay. No. Oh, well, well, remember he got in a little trouble last year because his horse was doping. Oh, but I do his have, horse was doping. So, so I, I do have a mint julep recipe here. Okay. Okay. okay so uh, this comes from the famous Kentuckian, okay, Harry Watterson. And he was... Um, so he was a Pulitzer Prize winning editor of the Louisville Courier Journal. Okay. Um, his he lived from 1840 to 1921, and apparently he was a pretty colorful guy. Okay, right? uh, he was a political activist. One of his most famous passages, he was criticizing his own Democratic Party, and this was the line: he, he, "Okay, things have come to hell of a pass when a man can't whip his own jackass." Uh, <laughs> I would read the rest of that story, yeah. um, but so he he also published one of his his. World game-changing mint julep recipe. Here. Okay. So here we go. So number one, pluck the mint gently from its bed, just as the dew of the evening is about to form on it. Next, select the choicer sprigs onlyer, but do not rinse them. Next, prepare the simple syrup and measure out a half tumbler of whiskey. Next, pour the whiskey into a well-frosted silver cup. And then finally... Throw out all the ingredients away and just drink the whiskey. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. It was so so eloquently said. So yeah, so that, I give a nod of a hat to the Derby, and hopefully, so if you are going to watch the Kentucky Derby, enjoy the race. Kara, get us out of here. All right, call for a free consultation at four four zero two three nine twenty ninety, or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.